Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in. The Oilers news. Lander and Gustafson sent down. Brassois and Jujar Kara called up. Head coach McClellan says that Davidson and Slepeshev likely to play tomorrow against the Devils. Taylor Hall and the Devils practice today. We have his full media availability on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Of course, we played some cuts earlier in the show as well. Kevin Carrius from Global Television will join us in a few minutes, but we got a great story here of dedication. Bill Ross has been involved with Quick Card Edmonton Minor Hockey Week for the last 50 years. Years. This is his 50th year coming up as the tournament starts on Friday. Bill, great to have you on Inside Sports. How are you doing? Just great. And yourself? I'm doing very well. It is great to talk to you. And how excited are you for Minor Hockey Week here? Oh, well, I'm getting ready. Uh, I'm all set up, ready for at the central location, and uh, we're just waiting for that first drop of the puck. Okay, so that's on Friday. And Friday, yep. Now, this is, you know, this, this is your 50th year of volunteering with the tournament? Yes, but yeah, I've been involved uh, first around uh, the first ten years. I I participated in the tournament, and then uh, I took over the looking after the, the tournament after that. Okay, so is this is this it for you? Have you decided this is going to be the last year, or what's the plan? Well, it's going to be the last year that I'm going to organize my area. Okay, but I have given my okay that I would work a few shifts uh, just to keep my hand in it uh, in the future years for as long as I can. Now, tell people what your area is and why you're called Mister Central. Okay, well, at our location, we we sort of. Is like the uh, nerve center of the tournament. Uh, any problems, any scores, uh, uh, anything that does with the tournament uh, is funneled into our our location uh, at Central, and uh, from there we determine where it should go. Whether the, there's no referee shows up, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and we try and keep the tournament going. And we're sort of like the nerve center of the tournament. Uh, why I'm calling Central has been there because I've been when we answer the phones and that we 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 say Central and uh, we sort of uh, carried that all the way through and so somebody said well okay uh, seeing as you're looking after it I guess you better call you Mister so it became Mister Central <laughs> okay well that's pretty cool what have yeah. you liked most about that position over the years Bill. 
Well, I, I enjoy uh, working with the uh, committee, of course. Uh, we meet every year uh, to get this thing rolling. And um, I, I enjoy watching uh, where we're located in uh, Kinsman uh, Arena uh, now. We used to be at the com uh, Confederation Complex, but they did some remodeling there and we lost our space. But uh, we're in uh, Kinsman Arena right now. And uh, it has a, a nice window, and we're able to watch a few games. And I enjoy uh, watching the games, especially the little guys. <laughs> they, they seem to they seem to have the determination that uh, that uh, I don't know a lot of people don't have. Right. Okay. Bill Ross joining us inside Sports on six thirty. Chad, how has the job? Uh, changed over the years of being Mr. Central? Different technology, more busier, more staff? How has it changed over the years? Well, uh, first, first uh, when minor hockey was put together back in, uh, well, the first game was in 64, uh, if we, at the, the early part of the tournament, uh, we had over 700 uh, teams, I would say somewhere in the vicinity of 770 teams. And from there, uh, kids got other interests like skiing and then they introduced indoor uh, soccer and of course teams dropped down uh, this year we have 566 teams going for their, their gold medals and um, the, the whole thing is that the, the kids are really excited if you go to the finals on the 21st and 22nd of this this month it's at Twilliger uh, Recreational Center uh, you'd almost think that Every kid in there is playing for the Stanley Cup. The excitement and uh, the adults, uh, they, they just cheer and everything else. And it, it's really a, a wonderful thing to see the kids being active in, in that. And from coaching before, I find that if the kids are doing some kind of sport, they don't get themselves into trouble. And uh, that goes with when I was coaching, uh, the kids that I know, are still good friends. In fact, uh, we still go for lunch with some of the parents uh, when I quit coaching about 40 years 40 years ago. But, Bill, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you, you've you. I mean, you're you're the nerve center. You're taking all the phone calls. What's the craziest or most unusual problem you've ever had to deal with? Does something stand out? Uh, well, one time we had a Zamboni that dropped the, the the back end of it and took a gouge right out of the rink, and we had to scramble to move a couple of games and and, and get it get the ice fixed for the the next bunch of games. But um, and there's there's funny little things that happen all the time. Uh, some teams don't show up. They sometimes go to the wrong arena. Um, they um, Referee uh, maybe gets sick and doesn't show up, so we have to scramble to get a another referee to replace it. Uh, it it's a various uh, kinds of things that, uh, well, I, I guess they just happen, and you have to in our, our situation there we have to sort of analyze the problem and get on it right away and try and get it fixed. Okay. So who's going to take over for you as Mr. Central? Do you have a suitable replacement for next year? Oh, have I got a suitable replacement? <laughs> yeah, Rob McMahon's going to take it over. 
Uh, he's been with the committee for oh quite some time. In fact, he he does a lot of work in there, and I truthfully don't know how he's going to handle both. He's going to have to give something up. <laughs> okay. And one more thing, you're still yeah. using rotary phones? That can't be true. Is that, is that a legend or is that true? That is true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this, uh, what we have there, they were always trying to give us something different. The problem is there's three of us work a shift at a time. And we have a, a rotary line, and when the phone call comes in, it can ring on any phone. And therefore, we're able to handle three calls. Uh, you know, in in the room at any given time, and these were the only sets that could be used. Uh, unplug and, and and plug them in. Uh, now they have all the you know the fancy things where they're hardwired in or they're wireless or something like that. And uh, but no, we still have the rotary phones. Uh, it's a three-line rotary set, and um, it. It it sort of went obsolete, I would say, probably in the vicinity of 25 years ago. So we just, I just uh, dust them off, throw them back in the box, and stick them in the garage till the next year. I have a couple of extra ones in case we need parts. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Well, that's cool. They're still working. Uh, oh, yeah, they're still working. In fact, I just installed them today, and they're going to be energized tomorrow. Awesome stuff. Hey, Bill, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. I mean, the city just appreciates everything you've done and, and have fun over the next week and a half with uh, Quick Card. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, a wild time of 10 days there, and if anybody wants to see good hockey, Go on and, and venture out and uh, support the kids because they're giving all their hearts to it because they know somewhere at the end there could be a gold medal for them. Well, Bill, you've given your heart to it as well. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. That is Bill Ross, known as Mr. Central with Quick Card Edmonton Minor Hockey Week. I'm Reed Wilkins, Kevin Carius from Global Television, joining us in studio. Well, there's a man you, you know well, eh? You know, he has been a total lifesaver um, for our station and I would imagine the other TV stations in town. Basically what happens when, when during Quick Card Minor Hockey Week, we send a camera down to various locations, depending on what time, and the, the rank and whatever the cameras are available well so the games are quicker but after the game we shoot a game sheet the the camera guy will shoot a game sheet a lot of times the spelling's wrong the team's wrong the you don't know who's playing whom so i talked to bill knightley pretty well and say bill can you tell me what happened at this game at this time at this rink and he will go through his little thing you know he's just like how he how he sounds there okay let me just have a let's just go through this stuff here da, 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 da. and i'll say bill can you tell me you scored the second goal for team x and he'll come up with it and just truly remarkable uh, very very efficient and saved us uh, over the years uh, like dozens and dozens of times uh, so for the almost 20 years that I've been at Global, uh, formerly ITV, you know, we were talking to Bill, you know, like I say, nightly uh, during Quick Card Minor Hockey Week. 83 years of age, he was clear that this isn't the end of his involvement. It's the 50th year. He's going to step away from being Mr. Central, but he said he still wants to do the odd shift if they'll let him. I, th- I think they're going to let him. Uh, so many great stories from Edmonton Minor Hockey Week. It must be from probably from a TV perspective, Kevin, where it's just like, oh my goodness, like we, we wish these were spread out a little bit because it's, it's a lot going on at one time. It, it's what makes it so great, the volunteers. There's so many great volunteers that have been with that uh, organization, you know, basically since I got 
got here and well before that. So that's what makes it so great. The kids come and go every year, you know, and they start when they're young and they keep playing all the way up if they stick with hockey all the way up to through the midget ranks. But it, to me, the volunteers just do a truly remarkable and the hours that they put in, all these people, like, you know, uh, like Rod and Daryl uh, and all these volunteers over the years that have, Joan Carella, just yeah. amazing that the amount of work that they put in. Kevin Karras from Global Television in studio, Inside Sports on 630. Tell you what we're going to do. If if you have, because I know, Kevin, you have a couple from covering it, so we'll get to those, some minor hockey week stories. If you have one of your own, well, people could tell it to us. <laughs> 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Kevin's going to with, be, be with me until uh, 8 o'clock. Of course, we'll talk some uh, some Oilers as well as we move along. But we do want to give Quick Card Edmonton Minor Hockey Week a little bit of love. So we'll keep going with that when we get back at 717. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630. Chad. Jordan Everly, one goal in his last 22 games. He'll try to get back on the score sheet tomorrow against his old buddy Taylor Hall and the New Jersey Devils. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 7.20. My name is Reed Wilkins. Kevin Carius is here as well from Global Television. Kevin, how was your uh, Christmas, New Year's uh, season? It was great. Happy New Year, too, too uh, Reed, and uh, good to get back in uh, the swing of things after the uh, you know, the World Juniors, and there was a lot of other stuff going on with you guys, and uh, a couple shows where Oilers were playing, and yep. then uh, uh, last week I said, geez, I'd like to get in here, but uh, it was just too busy with the, the, the World Junior game. So, Well, I hate, I, I hate to tell you this, but we did okay last Wednesday. We <laughs> got sure Warren Moon on fine. the show. Yeah, Warren Moon. And then we got actor Eric Johnson uh, in studio who's in Fifty Shades Darker. I think so you were just did fine, yes. Yeah, we subbed in for you almost adequately. Oh, yeah, a little higher than that, big guy. <laughs> so quick card, Edmonton Minor Hockey Week starts uh, Friday. Goes to what? The following following Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. So it's uh, always a fun week. Uh, they, they like what are they around seven hundred teams or something this year? Yeah, you know what's neat is when you look at the master schedule. That's the neat thing. If you go on the website and just look at the master schedule and you look at every rink that is involved in uh, Edmonton and then St. Albert and, and Sherwood Park. I mean, these games every night, like whoever does that schedule to figure it out, plus, uh, you know, to get all the divisions, you know, like some of them in Adam and Novice, there's like basically 15 divisions. Right. So it's, just, I mean, you go, oh, you look down that list, okay, and then it's, you know, Adam GRE. Well, then you look down the code. Okay, well, that's Adam Gretzky division. So it's just nonstop. It's, it's really interesting to watch the schedule and to look at it. Uh, minor hockey memories. You can text six thirty six thirty. Minor hockey week memories. Dwayne from Red Deer says, "Remember when the playoff games were in the Edmonton Gardens? I've I've heard so about a while that. Well, back. Yes, didn't experience sure. it, but yeah, that would have been fun. Well, even if you listen to what what Bill had to say, and we're going to have Bill on as our global MVP next nice. Thursday, so we're going to kind of follow him around. I believe Friday and a little bit on the weekend, but." You know, when he said, I played in it for 10 years. Yeah. So he played the first 10 years of it. Now has been volunteering for 40. So yeah. think about He's that. He's amazing. Yeah. That was such a fun interview for sure. Okay, we have, is this is this Taylor Harnett on the line? Uh, yeah, it is. How you doing, Reed? The gentleman responsible for Tyler Benson being drafted into the NHL, basically, because of your coaching in Bantam. You can tell me if I'm <laughs> exaggerating. And uh, yeah. current coach with the LaDuke Oil Kings, Midget AAA, correct? That is correct, yes. And the Benson stuff is totally correct. It was all you, and Benson will verify that himself. Tyler will tell you that the reason he is where he is today is 100% because of me, I guarantee you. There you go. Oh, he overcame <laughs> the poor coaching. 
tongue in cheek. Yeah, he overcame the poor coaching, is <laughs> what it should Wasn't be. a hard kid to coach, not not really much. Open the gate, right? With, with his, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, do you you have a minor hockey week story? What's going on here, buddy? I do. You know what? I I don't know how funny it is, but it, it it's uh, it's got a couple neat neat twists to it. Uh, I was I grew up in Mill Woods. And I uh, played Millwood's hockey my whole life and played in minor hockey week, I don't know, probably, again, probably eight times. Finally, uh, finally made it to the final. I, and ironically enough, uh, Bantam AAA Shaw Cable against Bantam AAA Southside Southgate Lions, the Bantam team I ended up coaching for several years. And um, we, uh, and it was back then, the finals were at the Agricom. And some of the finals were uh, played at Northlands Coliseum, so uh, it was that was why it was such a big deal to get to that final because you got to go play in those venues. And I remember, you know. But the thing about that tournament was, Reed. I don't know if you know this, but I don't know if they still do this. Kevin, you're going to have to fill me in. Do they still yank their goalies uh, if you go into overtime? Yeah, they do all the way down to get to you know basically. Well, they take the player off the ice. Take right? the player yeah, off. Five, four, three, yeah. two, one. Right. But some coaches will just pull their goalie. Yeah. 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 Well, see. Well, yeah, I can tell you right now. Back when I played, that strategy never crossed any coach's <laughs> mind. I can one hundred percent. It was yeah, but um, so it was. It was really stressful if if you got a tie. Like I, I remember as a player, like oh no, oh no, you know, and and then uh, it, we, anyways, anyways, we got to the final against the Southgate Lions, and uh, we yanked our goaltender and. And uh, we ended up scoring right off the hop. Right off the hop, I remember, because we had the, the game was filmed, and we got to watch it. And then, you know, there was a commentator. And so, of course, you know, big deal back then to have your game commentated. And uh, the guy that scored the goal was, if you got, you guys probably know uh, who I'm talking about here, Kent Simpson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shimmer scored that goal right off the hop, and we all knew he was the right guy to put on the ice. Mark oh, yeah. <laughs> won the draw. Shimmer took the puck and put it in, and we didn't have to sweat too long. But so we beat the Southgate Lions. So uh, the big thing about that season was there was a two Bantam Triple A side teams. We both got invited to a Bantam Triple A tournament uh, in spring break in Phoenix, Arizona, Ooh. and none of us had ever been anywhere like that. So most of us hadn't even been on a plane. So we go there. We were there for two weeks, spring training. We were staying in hotels with all the baseball teams, Andre Doss and Mark McGuire. Like, it was just a nut. It was a crazy year. And uh, we ended up meeting the Southgate Lions in the final of that tournament. Now, the difference, they got even with us. They ended up winning. But they had to fly home the next day, and our coaches were smarter. They made sure that we got to stay there an extra week. So we were there for two weeks. They were there for five. But the thing about the final game, there isn't. I, I I don't care if Scotty Bowman was was coaching our team to try and motivate us to win that. We didn't care. We did not care because we knew we had a week in Phoenix after that game to do whatever we wanted. <laughs> Those guys wanted to win because they were catching a flight. I think the next day we were winning six to one going into the third period. Twelve minutes straight time, we lost seven six. Oh, <laughs> what, what year are you looking at here? Uh, that would have been nineteen. 19- 90? Okay, so Joey 90. Young. Remember Joey Young got drafted by the Blue Jays first round? 
Nope. Well, vaguely, yeah. Edmonton boy, Fort McMurray guy. Yeah. Oh, okay, vaguely, yeah. Fort, yeah. Yeah, Fort Murray. He was on our team that okay. year. Ken Simpson was on that team. Sir Dacting was on that team. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, no, we had a, it was a good bunch. Yadlowski, I don't know if you remember that name from the West. Yeah, who was your coach? Yadlowski. Okay. Yadlowski was our coach. Was, it, was there, a, there was a Yadlowski on the Bears recently, wasn't there? Yeah, I coached him uh, in Banner Triple A. I made Triple A at Southside. That's his, uh, that's his oldest son. Right, okay. Brennan, Brennan Yadlowski. Great. Wow, a lot of yeah. connections. Taylor, great but, stuff, uh, buddy. Yeah, hey, and I just want to, just two things. Uh, yeah. Kevin, the, the, I don't know if you know this, and I'm sure people have told you, but the little clips that you do of the minor hockey league games where you commentate <laughs> the players scoring goals. Yeah. Man, if that would have been me as a kid, and I was watching the news with my dad, and all of a sudden you were calling me scoring a goal, I wouldn't have been able to sleep that oh, night. That's huge. I appreciate what you guys that. Do. You know what? And, I did, just, and a quick sidebar for all the parents that would be listening, because uh, we get calls every day. Hey, my kid just scored a goal last night. Can we get a copy of it? Uh, so I always yeah. recommend just for, for the people and the parents to record the games and stuff, the, the highlights, because it's just a harder uh, process for us to get the highlights oh, yeah. out to yeah. the parents yeah. now. And uh, and uh, another one, Kevin, my best buddy, Hammy, says hi, Dad, oh. and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. <laughs> Taylor Hart, yeah. check it in, coach of the Leduc uh, Oil Kings, great uh, minor hockey week and beyond stories. Man, what's, uh, Arizona stuff was good, too. Oh, yeah. Well, well you think as a kid... Lead. But you think as a kid, like so, he's talking as you know, you're 14 years old, and now you're you got a two week trip down, and like you said, Andre Dawson and things like that. You know, look at that. That's uh, you know, 25, 26 years later, still talking about it. Yeah. Remembers it like yesterday. And, and that, Dawson and that, would have been a cub. And that, yeah, and that's what you know, minor hockey is all about. Like you know, you get your team and your teammates, and you have those guys. They're friends for life. Yeah, and you don't forget the guys. No, you, yeah. you know, like I mean, he rattled off what half a dozen guys oh, just yeah. like that. You know, and that's twenty-seven years. Yeah, ago. and he probably couldn't name coworkers he knew a year ago <laughs> that have moved on, right? Exactly. All right, it's Inside Sports on six thirty. Chet Carius in studio. Wilkins here as well. We'll talk a little uh, Oilers and well, who knows what else when Kevin's here when we get back. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chet. Well, rough start for the Oil Kings as we check your Crystal Glass scoreboard. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. The first period only half over at Rogers Place. Lethbridge already up three zip in that game. NHL tonight, Sharks and the Flames just getting underway as the Sharks try to sweep Alberta after a 5-3 win in Edmonton last night. Alexander Ovechkin has both goals. He is now over 1,000 career points. 21 on the year for Ovi. It's 2-0 Capitals over the Penguins with 6.5 minutes left in the second period. The Canadians lead the Jets 5-3 after 2, and the Panthers are up 2-1 on the Islanders with... Two minutes left in the third period. Oilers and Devils tomorrow at Rogers Place. Face-off at 7. We have you covered. Bob has Oilers now from noon to 2. Then we have the face-off show starting at 5.30. My name is Reed Wilkins. Kevin Carius from Global Television in studio. Taylor Hall is, uh, is, is, is back in town. I've never seen so many Edmonton media eagerly covering a New the Jersey Devils, Devils practice. Yes, Team Underworld. You know, <laughs> um, I think it's been an adjustment for him. Uh, I, I you know, just when you think back to when the trade happened, you know, I think he probably wanted to play that day, you know, just to kind of show everyone that, you know, he wasn't the problem and he wanted to be part of the solution. But I think probably what eats more at, at Taylor Hall right now is the fact that 
the Oilers are in a playoff position and the Devils aren't. So when you have, uh, you know, you play a half dozen years here and, you know, you start and you're building uh, the franchise and trying to turn the corner and it never happened when he was here and now to see it happening and he's on the outside looking in, I think that probably eats at him a lot more than he would be letting on. Well, the Oilers 10th overall coming into tonight. I mean, the Devils are 27th. Yeah. And unfortunately, Taylor's used to being in that spot in the standings. And now, by I don't think this is his fault. He's it's no way his fault. He's he's a he's a very good player, one of the best left wingers in in the league, but I mean, that's he has kind of a and I mean, I thought he's handled it well. I mean, because he's always been pretty well spoken. You can never like losing eats at you so badly, and now it's continuing on with him with another organization. And the more that happens to a player, you just you get disheartened. And again, for him to see his former teammates having some success and on the road to success, because a lot of people believe you know the others are you know trending upwards, it uh, it's killing them. Yeah, what what was what was your reaction when the whole Larson deal happened? I didn't like the trade. I only liked the trade only because Lucic was basically signed mm-hmm. two days later. Yeah. So in my mind, it was all in one. So if the Lucic deal doesn't happen, then I probably I would say I don't like the trade. But because Lucic was basically interchanged for Hall, obviously way different players, so it's almost like a two-for-one, Lucic and Larson for Hall, then I'm okay with it. Though, oddly enough, it's turned out that Patrick Maroon has been the left-winger that has replaced <laughs> Hall's goal scorer. Yes, uh, he's just an absolute road grader right now, isn't he? He is just, you know, it's fun to watch him go to the net, and he's just plowing through everything, so... Um, He's been a key, and he's been one of the you know one of the best players on the team for sure. Yeah, the Oilers are at the middle of the season here, twenty-one fifteen. Well, a little past the middle of the season now, twenty-one fifteen and seven. So they're stuck at forty-nine because they're they've uh, lost their last two games. So the pace is mm-hmm. for mid nineties in terms of points. That obviously constantly changes. Uh, Kevin, give me a couple uh, positive surprises. Unex- good unexpected things for you. Maroon and Benning for me would be the top two um, positive notes. Uh, Matthew Benning I think has just been tremendous for again a guy that no one would have even thought would have played maybe a handful of games this year and now it's at the point where you can't take him out of the lineup. On the other side, uh, we did mention Maroon being a, a, obviously a big positive, but on the other side, and we addressed this, uh, I talked to you about three weeks ago, It's to me it's befuddling and, and I cannot, um, I, I just can't put my finger on why it hasn't been able to happen yet with the personnel that they have, that no one on the right side playing with Connor McDavid, beside Leon Dreisaitl, has been able to make an adjustment and play with one of the top players in the world. And... If someone can explain that, Todd McClellan doesn't know why. No one's been able to do that besides uh, dry settle and have good success. But I, if you were to ask Todd McClellan straight up, he doesn't want to have to, uh, Leon Drysaddle play there because it just imbalances the rest of his lineup. So until someone else can go into that void and play with Connor McDavid and contribute and make that a really legitimate number one line, they're going to have problems with the balance of their lineup. I mean, I think... Maybe I'll say medium term. It'll hopefully be Yesley Puglia-Yarvi, who I think they, they finally did the right thing with by sending him to, mm-hmm. to Bakersfield in the AHL. And he did pick up an assist, by the way, uh, for the Condors. But, yeah, that's that's been the strange thing because 
we, we thought the Oilers, okay, you looked at them, you were pretty sure McDavid was going to be one of the top scorers in the league. He's, he's number one mm-hmm. right now. I think, I, I mean, I, I've always thought Leon looked pretty good. He is ahead. I mean, he might even be a season ahead of where he, I thought he might be, you know, being in the Leon top. Leon Leon, yeah, in terms of how, how he's mm-hmm. playing and how he's contributing. You got the Maroon unexpected offense. You had the Pitlick unexpected offense. Unfortunately, you won't get any more of it. You have some unexpected offense from Latestu, even Clefbaum up to seven goals, a little bit there. Um, you know, the way you, you mentioned the way Benning has been chipping in. So, so they have had support scoring. I mean, you're not 10th overall in the NHL without support scoring. It's just come from, from pretty much, like almost entirely unexpected sources. Yes, and you know what? Getting back to that right side with McDavid, anytime a player goes up there, the onus on it's it just automatically expected that you are going to produce and you have to produce or you're not being successful. You are a failure on that line. If you're not putting up a point a game or whatever it is, figure it out. And for some reason, whoever's been going up there besides Dry Saddle, who's, you know, he's had success, but he's, they've cooled off a little bit, I think you could say that at times. Um, there's that problem where if you're not producing, you feel like you're not contributing to the team and you're bringing the team down, you know. It's, I think it, it's just a problem that I, people can't figure out within the, within the organization. It should be when you go, okay, who can play with Connor McDavid? Well, almost pretty well everyone should, should be able be. to go up there and have some sort of success. And that's why I think it, there's a bit of a, a puzzling situation when you look at the big picture, when you have to put Dreisaitl there, and now you're taking away from putting him where I think the coaching staff really wants to incorporate the balance of their lines. Dreisaitl is it's a luxury to have the, his ability to play the wing like that. And, I mean, you can still bounce him down and, and put him in the middle, even if he's having a good night with McDavid. So that's a, that's a, a nice luxury. I, I just, you know, and I wonder what's going to happen with Everly here long term. I mean, I know he talked to Bob yesterday before the game, and he, he did feel like, well, I'm, I'm still getting chances. I'm still getting the puck to the net. I would debate that. I don't mm-hmm. think it's happening consistently enough. I mean, not every game he hasn't scored has been a disaster, but there have been some games where it's like he's not around the net, he's not he's not in the dangerous areas. And Maroon, I mean, it's so... Go stand by the blue paint. Now, he doesn't always score that way, but if he's not standing by the blue paint, he's making a quick decision with the puck to either shoot it or get it to McDavid or Lee. And he's not... This is the thing about Maroon. He's not overly deferential where he feels like, oh, my God, I've touched the puck. I better give it to McDavid right away. But he makes the right play at the right time. Well, I think we talked about this about a month ago, too. Whoever plays with Connor McDavid isn't going to be able to play with him on the same level speed-wise and talent-wise and anything like that. You have to be able to get to the certain holes in the certain areas at the right time. And if that figures out that you have to move your body a little quicker or cheat a little bit in the sense that you have to get to that area to be in a scoring position, that's what you have to do. Kevin Carrier from Global Television joining us inside Sports on 630. Chad, the goaltending situation is... uh it's like both a huge plus and a minus. Because Talbot has been very good most of the time. He's been excellent sometimes, and he's been average or below average rarely. <laughs> Fair to say. He wasn't happy with his game last night. And I know he was saying he felt he, he, he uh, didn't handle the, the puck well on the first goal and got caught, caught down on the ice. But Talbot, I mean, this is the thing. We've asked, Rob and I have asked some people after games, Kevin, 
Connor McDavid is leading the league in scoring, and we've still had a significant number of fans identify Cam Talbot as the team MVP. I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, he has been that good sometimes. And you know what? If you go back to the games where he himself has questioned uh, what type of game he's had, the following game he has bounced back with a tremendous game. So I would expect to see that tomorrow night for him to have a very, very good game against New Jersey because it's the type of goaltender he is. He feels in his mind that he let some of his teammates down by not standing on his head or whatever, but I would expect him to have a strong game against the Devils tomorrow. So they've called up Brassois. Gustafson goes down. I mean, look, I, Gustafson, I know a lot of people got on Shirelli for the sign. He was the fifth goalie signed on free agency day. Reimer went first for five years to Florida. There's no way the Oilers were giving James no. Reimer five years to be a backup. Uh, Kadobin was signed by Boston. Johnson was signed by Calgary, who I, who I think the goalie, a, a lot of teams would have wanted as their backup. Free agents can pick. So he didn't pick Edmonton, he picked Calgary. Uh, so, you, you know, you got to the point where it's not easy to find a backup goaltender. And unfortunately, Gust- Gustafson is maybe not lived up, lived down to his his career numbers. And I just I was talking with Kelly earlier in the show, the trust level just pretty much evaporated, I think. Well, what'll be interesting to see is with Brassois, how much minutes, how many minutes is he going to get? I mean, the schedule's a pretty well checkerboard this month, right, with a game every second day, it seems, or... Uh, Almost, you yeah. Know, it's like that. So how, where, where do you, where do you spell off... Cam Talbot, um, where do you see Brassois filling in? I mean, he's still in a developmental stage, you would say, um, but he's the better of probably two options right now between uh, himself and Gustafson. Well, I just, I mean, I get the guys would never say it, but I don't think they would think, oh, great, Gustafson, and we'll still get a solid start. I mean, given they they dominated Ottawa, a, like they kicked Ottawa's butt. It's a deflating situation again when you're on the bench and you see your when you're dominating a team and your goaltender doesn't play very well at all, I mean, it's deflating, and that's what happened against the Senators. You know, they got the back-to-back end of next week when they host Nashville to end the homestand and then go to Calgary on Saturday the 21st, but a, a caller called in earlier and said, well, what about against the Coyotes on the 16th if you want to throw Brussois mm-hmm. in there? I said, okay, maybe. Like, if the Oilers go out there and beat the Devils and beat the Flames, you get up to 2-1 and one on the homestand, then you put Brassois in against, you know, Team 29 in the NHL. Maybe, maybe. And the other thing, too, is, you know, when you're looking in the next month or two down the road, like, I mean, Talbot's played an awful lot here, and, I mean, he's going to need some time off. He's going to need some time off, but I, I still say, Kevin, and I totally get where you're coming from because there are very few goalies that can handle 70-plus games, but a lot of guys handle 65 these days. Cam handled 56 last year with basically not playing a lot in November. It's a big jump up from 55 to 70, though. Fair enough, but we don't know if he can handle it. We don't don't know. There's no no book on Cam Talbot that says, okay, 57 is the threshold, and then he breaks down. I mean, maybe he's the type of guy that can handle it. It's not as if he's got massive minutes under his belt already. The other thing, too, that he said, I've been... My whole life, I've been trying to get to this position where well, I'm yeah, playing he, seventy he games. Want- Every goalie is. So I mean, it's not something that he's going in his mind. Oh, I better kind of cool her down a little bit, or I, I, I think I need a little more time off. So, uh, having said that, they're going to need 
Laurent Brassois to fill in He'll and play. fill in a lot better than Gustafsson. He'll was. get a shot. But if they keep if they keep chipping away with points, then hopefully Brassois is at least at the level where he gives them the chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. Yeah, and I think that was the problem with Gustafsson in Ottawa. He took away the. I mean, they come back from two nothing down. They're up three two. Next shot on nets in the net. Yeah, so it kills your chance. Seven forty seven inside sports on six thirty. Chad will update the scoreboard. A few more thoughts from Kevin Carrius from Global Television. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Hey, uh, you know, we'll ask Warren, Warren, could you do me a favor? It's from about a month ago. Yeah, about a month ago, Greg Popovich. Uh, Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs on his team having a slow start to a game. See if you can find that, and we'll we'll play it, we'll play it on air. Because last night, you know, I was driving home from Saskatchewan, and I heard the Todd McClellan scrum on uh, six thirty, Ched, and someone asked him, you know, who's that on, right? Like what? And the slow starts, and of course, Todd gave the diplomatic approach, saying all of us, all of us. That's what he said, and that was that was his answer. And normally. Todd doesn't give three-word answers. Right. So you could kind of read between the lines saying you can figure out Yeah, it's got to be up to every guy that comes in this locker room at, you know, for 7 o'clock, that it is up to you to get going and to make sure that you are totally 100% for the drop of the puck. Yeah, that's an interesting debate because, uh, you know, I know Drew Remenda has talked about, well, you know, slow starts are... Or on or on the coaching staff as much as the players. I've al- I've always thought, and I've always, you know, I've always rejected when when people will say, "Well, the coach has to get the team fired up." And I'm like, "No, he doesn't. The- these guys are grown men. They know when the game starts. They've literally done this thousands of times, dating back to some of them before they were in school playing hockey. The the, the job of a hockey player." doesn't change halfway through the second period. They know they have to do it right at the start of the game. Now, quality of opponent factors into that, but it's been a bit of an issue here for the Oilers. Last couple games, for sure. Yeah. Do you think you have it? All right, let's let's hear it. We'll leave, go ahead. That was a pathetic performance on the part of the Spurs. Um, you know, they had some guys out, we had some guys out, but they had a lot more out than we did. And I thought we showed a lack of humility a lack of respect uh, for the opponent, uh, a very pathetic performance at both ends of the court, both in execution and in grunt, in fiber, in desire. Uh, it was an awful performance. Is that was that it, more? I, I think okay. there's a little more to I it think... when he asked about you know who's it up to to be prepared for the yeah. start of the game. But yeah, well. Hey, yeah, Warren did a good well, job exactly. that for us. But, but Popovich but, is great. I mean, you know. Yeah, well, and you can do and you can do that more with a veteran team that's got what are they up to five championships? Right, now? and you can do that if you you know he has total respect from his players and he has the, been the guy and, there for yeah. a long time. The so, owner's not going to you know, call down and say, "Greg, yeah, maybe don't say that or publicly." The GM or <laughs> yeah, whatever, you know. He's, he's so. going to be fine. Uh, we got a call from uh, one of our regulars, Rocket, on the line. Rocket, it's Reed and Carius is here as well. What's going on? Hey, right on, guys. Uh, good to talk to you. I was just listening to your conversation, and uh, as a as a former coach, coaching uh, junior B, not in hockey, but lacrosse. Um, you're dealing with, uh, you know, you're dealing with grown men, but you on this team you do have, 
you know a lot of younger a younger a lot of younger players so i just kind of wanted your thoughts in uh you know pregame speeches with coaches i understand like you know the onus is on the players to be ready for the game but do you think there is any validity in uh coming in with the raw raw speech before you go out and get your players you know fired up for a particular game or is it uh do you think it's entirely on the players cuz i think it's both i think you have to as a coach, uh, you know, you go in the dressing room and you motivate, especially the younger guys and the veteran guys, you know, who maybe have heard the rah-rah speech over and over again, maybe don't need that as much, but uh, perhaps the younger guys do, and I just kind of wanted your thoughts on that. I think you can you can do that as a coach some of the time. You can't do it all of the time because if you go to the well too often, it gets old, and the players, you'll lose them because they'll be going you're doing this all the time it's just not going to work all the time like that so if you do it once in a while i believe the players will uh, react and respond to it but if you do it too much uh you'll lose them you'll lose the team yeah thanks for calling rocket i i agree with kevin there and i and look i don't want to say it it doesn't happen because there is still that side to sports where guys can be motivated by you know, whatever, meeting the kid that asked him to hit a home run, but you can't go to the well over and over again. A little bit of a quick sidebar story. You know, back in a few years, well, Tom Gilbert was here because I asked Tom Gilbert this question. Uh, about four or five minutes left in some of the games, uh, if the Oilers were down by a goal or whatever, they would, on the Jumbotron, play the Al Pacino speech about, <laughs> you know, from any given Every Sunday. inch, yeah. Every inch, da 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 da. And I said to Tom, I go, boy, you know, that obviously that's a very emotional movie and a very emotional part of the movie I said when when you guys are on the bench and it's during a TV timeout I said do you does that fire you guys up and he goes yeah it does but it also fires up the other team too yeah good point <laughs> well that's that's a good point yeah it's it's a it like it it does happen and and I'm sh- but you, the coach has to know when to pull it out when the mm-hmm. team might need it or when to get angry at them because you're right yelling or kicking a garbage, garbage can, can every can, second yeah. day that doesn't do much for you. Uh, Rowdy Yates texting in he says my favorite coach's warm up speech is did you see that movie on Netflix where the coach said what he said well that's what I'm saying is that from the <laughs> is that the Boston Pizza commercial now or something oh is that what uh, it, could, there's a few like of those that, right yeah. now that, the pizza delivery guy's giving 110%. And Magic Mike says, uh, good show, Reed. Very cool having Mr. Carius on the show. Bit of a random question here. Does, uh, and I didn't ask you this ahead of time, so yeah, I hope I'm not okay. putting you on the spot. Does Kevin know what happened to one of my favorite announcers, Bruce Buchanan? Oh, for sure, yeah. Bruce Buchanan, uh, he's actually in real estate now. In town? In town, and uh, I think he does a little work out of town as well. But uh, I believe he just got married a little while ago. Uh, Tim Spellacy, our uh, our boss at the station, gave us uh, or showed me a picture of it uh, of his wedding and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, it's been a long time. Bruce since. did the games. Was he on a channel? When they, was he it ever would on have ITV? been? Yeah, at the end. Well, he did the games on ITV to start. And oh then, right, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And then you know, once they moved over, he did it a little while, and then I think when when the Oilers went to Sportsnet, is that's when the relationship ended between right the Oilers and Bruce, and then he didn't and, get Sportsnet. And Bay acted a few games too. Yeah. Uh, Al Nagy did the CF couple CFRN days yeah. games. All right, uh, final look at the scoreboard here. Lethbridge up four nothing on the Oil Kings after one. Man, that's tough. Oil Kings obviously uh, 
traded some guys away. We're leading up to the deadline. Panthers beat the Islanders 2-1. No score early. Sharks and Flames caps both goals by Ovechkin. He goes over 1,000 career points. They're up 2-0 on the Penguins after two. Seven minutes left. 7-4. The Canadians leading the Jets. Lafleur with two. Howardchuk has a hat trick. <laughs> Kevin, thanks for coming in. Right, I think Rito. we're back yeah. in two weeks or Couple something. Weeks, There's a game yeah. next Wednesday. That's Kevin Carey from Global Television. Thanks to Warren Mulvey, our studio producer. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. My name is Reed Wilkins. You also heard from Kelly Rudy and Bill Ross tonight. Thanks to everybody who texted and called. More on Taylor Hall being back in town and the Oilers moves today on 630Ched.com. Brassois up, Gustafson down, Kara up, Lander down. 5.30 face-off show tomorrow, game against the Devils at 7. Thanks for tuning in. 6.30Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30Ched.